from Wall Street to the White House. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We bring in dear friend, Ambassador Robert O'Brien, former National Security Advisor during the Trump administration, now Chairman of American Global Strategies. And I want to add uh, himself, Mr. O'Brien, a former hostage negotiator. Uh, Robert O'Brien, welcome back to the show. Thanks, everything, for doing this. Um, I might add happy happy Thanksgiving, you and Lomery. <laughs> great great to be with you, Larry, and happy Thanksgiving to you and Judy and the family. <laughs> All right. Um, You know, one of the disturbing parts of the hostage swap here is that to some extent uh, Hamas is in charge of the timing of this. They sort of set the terms of the pause. They could dribble out hostages for Lord knows how long. And from your experience as a hostage negotiator, what do you make of this? Well, listen, the the first thing, it's wonderful to see the Israelis come home. And if you want to have a a bright morning. Take a look on Twitter. There's a video of uh, Ohad Monder, the nine-year-old boy mm. who was released, racing down the hospital hallway to, to hug his dad. Mm. And it brings a smile to your face. And what it shows is it shows the humanity of, of the Israelis, of the Americans, of the, the way we live and the value we put on human life. And that, But, but we have to understand there's a flip side to the, the good news today, and that's the bad news that Hamas has scored a strategic, strategic victory. So is Iran. They've shown that hostage-taking works. Hmm. They got three three times the number of convicted or arrested terrorists released in exchange for innocent Israeli kids and women who were who ripped from their homes and taken to a foreign country, taken to Gaza. And so they got 3x the number of hostages, and they, they established a moral equivalency in the eyes of many between these terrorists that were released and the innocent hostages. They also received a pause in the the warfare, the, the prosecution of the operation to root out Hamas from Gaza. And so what they, they achieved with hostages what they couldn't achieve with, with rockets and terrorists and, and fighters. And you're right, Larry, 100%. They're going to dribble out these hostages for a long time. They're going to get millions of dollars in humanitarian aid. And their ultimate goal is to stay in power in Gaza. And they're going to try and use these 240 hostages to create a, a, a lasting ceasefire that allows them to stay in place in Gaza and then resume attacks on Israel. So it's a wonderful morning for the hostages and for their families, and we welcome them home. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad day for uh, the West and for Israel when it comes to the, the Hamas believing they have a big victory here. I mean, if you, um, if you look at the numbers here, as you, as you suggested, You'll have, in theory, I don't know how this is going to play out, but in theory, uh, a four-day ceasefire in return for roughly 50 um, Israeli, and I want to get to the American side also, um, but that will still leave close, you know, that still leaves whatever, 180 left out of the 240 or the 235 or whatever the right number is. So that gives Hamas... Uh, you know, 180 chess pieces to play with and extend this thing and, of course, cater to world opinion, which is already moving against uh, Israel and one wonders about uh, opinion inside the Biden administration. Uh, those are not good odds and um, suggest that Hamas really does have advantages here. No, they're using it just as like China has done with hostages in North Korea and, and Russia. 
uh, with Evan Gershkowitz and uh, the, the Wall Street Journal reporter. The, the authoritarian and, and tyrants and dictators and terrorists use our, our love of humanity and our love of our people uh, against us. And uh, we have to play a different game we, uh, to, to stop this. Well, this, this started, uh, Larry, in 1979 with the hostages taken in Iran. Mm. When they took our embassy and our diplomats hostage. And the Iranians have been playing this game ever since. And as you know, just recently, we paid $6 billion in ransom. Now, the Biden administration goes to great pains to say it was sanctions relief. But it, like the Iranians looked at it as ransom. The whole world looked at it as ransom. The American people looked at it as ransom. And they paid $6 billion for five American hostages. And I said at the time, I think I said it even on your show, there, there are two downsides to this. One, you, you increase the value of future hostages and you encourage hostage-taking because if you can get a billion per uh, U.S. passport, mm-hmm. you know, why wouldn't countries do that? Take, take hostages and, and play them off and, and get some sort of payment from us. But number two, what do they do with the money? I mean, that money is not going to children's hospitals in Iran. It's not going to, to help the Iranian people. It's going to be used to fund hostage, further hostage-taking terrorism. And what I didn't realize when I said that in mid-September at the UNGA, UN General Assembly, is that within a month, Hamas would launch a major terrorist attack supported by Iran and take 240 Israeli hostages, many of whom are Americans. So we, we see the, the fruits of this sort of ransom payments and lopsided prisoner exchanges, and it results in more hostage-taking and more terrorism, and that's, that's very unfortunate. Is there any doubt in your mind? I mean, some success has uh, a lot of people crowing about it, but really, Robert O'Brien, it's the pr- intense pressure and success of the Israeli war campaign that was for- forced Hamas to come to the negotiating table, at least insofar as hostages are concerned. I mean, Qatar is involved, Egypt is involved, United States is involved. But, I mean, it's Israel and the pressure, relentless pressure and success of their campaign, is it not? And you hate Larry, to Larry, see that no let up. No, no question about it, Larry. You're 100% of our target on that one. Uh, and, look, we know this because one of my last cases I worked on as a the special presidential envoy for hostage affairs before becoming national security advisor was trying to get the remains of Hader Golden and uh, another IDF soldier out of Hamas now. This is a, an instance where Hamas had killed two IDF soldiers, dragged them back to Gaza through the tunnels, mm-hmm. and were keeping the remains for, for many years and trying to trade the remains uh, so that they could be buried and rest in peace in Israel uh, and have their family have some closure. But Hamas was using their remains to try and get uh, concessions from Israel. I was working on that case, and, and we were making no progress. If it hadn't been for the Israeli invasion of Gaza, during this operation to root out the Hamas terrorists and, and destroy their tunnels and destroy their infrastructure. There's no way this would be happening, notwithstanding the good offices of Qatar and, and Egypt and efforts by the Americans to, to negotiate. But the other thing is here, Larry, we've got a bunch of Americans that are held hostage in mm-hmm. Gaza. Yes. Why weren't they released first? Uh, it just shows so a lack of respect that the, uh, the terrorists that Iran and uh, and Hamas have for the Biden administration for the United States of America right now, that they can take hostages with impunity. And, in fact, use that for us to put pressure on the Israelis just to hold up their campaign and to, to, to mitigate how, how they prosecute their war effort. And uh, so they, they, they've played us like a fiddle with these American hostages, and yet they, they didn't even release any of them. And so 
this is not a victory. We shouldn't be taking a victory lap uh, today. We should be happy that the hostages are home, but uh, we, we need to understand that this is, you know, this is not this is not a great situation. I was reading from New York Times Dispatch this morning. Biden was asked directly, Robert, about um, about the American hostages, and it was all very vague and ambiguous. And I guess my thought here is from day one. I mean, Americans were killed in the uh, barbaric October 7th. Americans are taken hostages. Biden hardly ever talks about Americans being taken hostages. Why wouldn't he want to have a much more aggressive, much more militant, you know, much more bigger warning to Hamas and Iran, for that matter, uh, the ultimate puppeteer and paymaster, about the Americans who have been killed and who have been taken hostage? Why wouldn't he want to make a bigger deal about that? Well, Larry, you worked for the great Ronald Reagan. I was an intern for him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you remember the days of when terrorists killed Americans uh, on the Achilles Laurel or, or took mm. American hostages. Ronald Reagan said you could run, but you can't hide. Mm. And we, we bombed Libya and we, we took deterrent action. President Trump did the same thing with the, the al-Baghdadi raid. I mean, part of that raid was to bring to justice a man who killed four Americans, Kasich and Sotloff and Mueller and Foley, and, and brutally beheaded it the three males and killed the female. And so there was a consequence to these terrorists for taking American hostages and for engaging in terrorism and killing Americans. Where Where is that sort of behavior now? I mean, you'd think we'd be right there with the Israelis, you know, using our Marines, our special forces to root out Hamas for killing Americans and taking Americans hostage. And at a minimum, the, the, the Hamas, when they realized they had Americans, should have released them and sent them to the border immediately and said, please don't take it. You know, we, we didn't mean to do this and we're sorry. Instead, they're keeping the Americans for the last uh, because they know they can probably get further concessions from, from the Biden administration. They saw the Biden administration pay the Israelis billions of dollars. Maybe they're hoping to get billions of dollars in, in addition to mm-hmm. making Israelis stop their campaign. So it's just a very different attitude of, of the Obama administration and not the Biden administration of this idea that if they stretch out their hand to terrorists and to dictators, that they'll somehow, the, the bad guys will somehow unclench their fists. But we've seen an unmitigated series of catastrophes from Afghanistan, the invasion of Ukraine, the, the invasion of Israel by Hamas with Iranian backing. And he- heaven forbid that the Chinese t- learn the lesson from this and, and go after Taiwan. So, mm. you know, appeasement doesn't work. Peace or strength does. And we need to get back to that posture. And that's what will keep Americans safe and keep Americans from being taken hostage. If people think twice when they see a blue passport and think, I better not take that person hostage because I could end up dead. Instead, there's every incentive right now to take American, Americans hostage, and, and we've got to change that immediately. We're talking with Ambassador Robert O'Brien, former National Security Advisor in the Trump administration, uh, himself a former hostage negotiator for the State Department. He's now chairman of American Global Strategies. Robert, i got to take a quick commercial break. I want to come back and talk more about the Iran angle on this whole story. Folks, I'm Kudlow. We will be right back. Please stick around. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking with Ambassador Robert O'Brien, former National Security Advisor in the Trump administration and a former hostage negotiator, now chairman of American Global Strategies. Uh, Robert, thank you. Um, I want to talk some more uh, 
The Iran angle is sort of off the front pages right this second because of the uh, hostage exchange and so forth. But the reality is the Bidens picking up where the Obamas left off have appeased Iran from day one. They've got an Iranian cutout who was the chief negotiator, this Robert Malley person. He's got somebody in the defense department. Malley lost his security clearance. They won't tell us why. He's got a protege in the Defense Department, chief of staff to an assistant secretary. Um, meanwhile, Iran's proxies continue to whack away at American military assets in the region. I don't know what the number is. It was up to 70. I don't know where it is now. And all we've done, all the United States has done, is little pinprick responses. So how do you read this? And when will the Bidens buck up? Yeah, there's there's this unfortunate belief that somehow Iran is a force for good in the Middle East in the, the Biden administration. And you're right, it carries over from the Obama administration. They had Rob Malley, and was that Rob Malley losing his security clearance, and uh, he, he landed a cushy job at Princeton, so they're taking care of him. Uh, he still hasn't been fired. He's only suspended. But it's, that, that's going to be a major scandal when we you know, find out how close Malley and his cohorts were with the Iranians. I mean, we have a woman who's chief of staff of the, uh, the Special Operations and Low-Intensity Conflicts uh, Department at uh, DOD, and she she would write the Iranians and request approval to appear in front of Congress, uh, making sure the Iranian Foreign Ministry let her, let her testify in the same panel as, quote, Jews. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've got, we've got a real problem here. Uh, they, they believe that somehow Iran is, uh, is this great civilized country that if we can only you know, give them enough money, give them enough respect, uh, appease them enough, that they'll become our friends. And what, I, what I've said all along is, like, you know, the Iranians just aren't that into us. I mean, they, they chant death to America. That's, that's never going to change. They have a, a universalist ideology, just like we have a universal, universal ideology of freedom and liberty and the brotherhood of man. They have an ideology that believes in the return of the 12th Mahdi. They believe that everyone will have to become a Shia Islamic uh, follower. And they believe that's a worldwide uh, thing. So the, the the ideologies of the two countries, which are both universal, they both believe that one is going to win out over the other. And I, I hope that freedom and liberty and, and humanity win. But uh, the, the Iranians have a different, different view, and you're not going to convert them to becoming friends of America. And yet the Biden administration, preceded by the Obama administration, believe that they could somehow uh, convince Iran to, to be on our side. And it's, it's never going to happen. And it doesn't matter how much they pay them. And, and the, the, the sad part is the Iranians view that as a sign of weakness. They don't view it as a sign of strength. And they, they kill dissidents and they, they kill women and they, they, they take gay and lesbian Iranians and throw them off buildings. And uh, they, they hang their opponents and, and slaughter protesters and they take Americans hostage. When will we bloody Iranians for these attacks on U.S military assets when i mean when will we enforce the sanctions when will we stop a oil ship from going to china or sink a ship or impound a ship or hit uh, in iran a training center for terrorists or even a command and control i mean what are we waiting for well i i don't know how many americans are going to have to die before that happens but uh, you're you're exactly right on the sanctions Larry. You know, the, the left likes to say, well, sanctions against Iran don't work. 
Well, they sure as heck worked in the Trump administration because we reduced Iran's foreign currency reserves to $4 billion when we left office. Larry, you know that well because you were running that program. But now that Iran has $70 billion in, in foreign currency reserves, it become wealthy and a rich country because we've turned a blind eye to the, the sanctions. We're not enforcing them. So there are no sanctions against Iran, and that's why they're not effective, because they're not being enforced. As with our tro- to our troops, these pinprick attacks make Clinton's you know, cruise missile attack on, on the aspirin factory in Sudan look like a Normandy invasion. Hmm. I mean, there, there's nothing. There's no deterrence. The Iranians are laughing at us. Khatib Hezbollah, their proxy, is laughing at us. You know, we hit an abandoned warehouse somewhere and, and claimed that it's restoring deterrence. The Iranians attack, and, and their, their proxies, Khatib Hezbollah and, and others, have attacked our troops in Iran and Syria 80 times or more. We, mm. we don't know how many more. It's probably more than 80. Mm. We, we, we've done a couple of these, these slap on the wrist, you know, responses that do nothing to, to improve the life of our troops or, or protect them or keep them safe. And I, I think it's, we're going to have a real tragedy. At some point, you know, we're going to lose a bunch of Americans, and people are going to wonder, how did this happen? Just like they wondered, how, how did the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan happen in such a chaotic fashion? And it's, it's because when you, you abandon the protection of your troops and forces and you abandon deterrence, uh, it's provocative to our adversaries. Now, America's not a weak country. We're a very strong country. We, we're not more fundamentally weak than we were, you know, three years ago. But, but when we appear weak, uh, that's provocative to our adversaries. So it's, it's time to start showing the world, and this is a bipartisan thing. This is something I hope the Biden administration does. It's not a political issue. I hope they, they put us back on a peace to strength posture and protect American citizens and American soldiers and sailors, airmen, and Marines. Last point, um, question for you. Can you talk about um, the sort of shadowy presence of Qatar? negotiating hostages, providing aid to terrorist groups. Now, you know, part of Qatar is <laughs> is a, a capitalist story, Doha. Part of Qatar is a very bad terrorist story. I, I take it they were front and center in these hostage negotiations. It's sort of a shadowy, mysterious place. Can you bring it to life just a wee bit for us? Yeah, so, so look, I, I worked very closely with, with Qatar when I was a hostage envoy because they had access and uh, they were able to help America with, uh, with recovering hostages, and I think that's what they're doing here. Uh, you know, Qatar's a major non-NATO ally. They were declared that by the Biden administration, but in the Trump administration, we had very strong military ties with them. We've got a large air base in Qatar. Now, but, but you have to understand, Qatar's in a, a difficult place. They're in a very rough neighborhood. They're about 20 miles away from Iran. The Iranians put tremendous pressure on Qatar. Mm. And, and Qatar stands strong with America when we're strong, when, when they believe that we'll defend them. But there are only 300,000 uh, Qatar, Qatari citizens. Uh, they're a very small country compared to Iran. So that they've tried to carve out a role of uh, somewhat of a Switzerland in the Middle East and, mm. and be available for negotiations. And, and, and look, in my experience, they were always very helpful. I'm, I'm, I assume they're being helpful in these negotiations. But... Qatar is only as strong as America is strong in turning Iran because, look, without America, without our air base there, the Iranians can swallow up Qatar in a day. All right. And so I think, I think they're doing their best in their bad situation. Ambassador Robert O'Brien, great friend, so knowledgeable. 
Chairman now of American Global Strategies, former National Security Advisor, Robert. Thank you ever so much. We appreciate it. Have a great Great weekend. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, buddy. Folks, we'll take a break and talk economics with John Carney of Breitbart on the other side of the break. I'm Kudlow. Straight ahead. Stay with us, please. 